0: Well, every summer, our high school group takes a trip called MOVE. And this year we went to Holland, Michigan, which is right by Lake Michigan. And it was a beautiful week. It was a lot of fun. And we had a lot of really good things that happened on that trip. And and it was a really special trip for me personally, because when we go on these trips, we're not the only church that goes. Other youth groups from other churches go. And at this particular camp, uh, one of the churches that was there was my former church. And so when I went there, I got to see a bunch of my former coworkers, people who I served in ministry with, uh, people who I haven't seen for a couple years. I got to see some former students, students who are now old enough to be leaders on the trip and who are pouring into other students. And it was kind of just a cool moment of getting to see a student I used to lead, now leading other students, and it was like a disciples making disciples thing, and besides making me feel a little older, it also made me feel pretty good about the whole thing. And uh, as students kind of leave our ministry, I try to stay in touch with the ones that I'm close with while they were here. Just because they're not students anymore, I don't no longer care about them, we kind of just morph into being friends. And we stay connected and we keep talking. And while we were on this trip, I happened to see one of those students, who now I consider a friend of mine, there. And we didn't know we were both gonna be there. So it was kind of like a, hey, what are you doing here, moment. And we decided the next morning, we would go out for coffee. And that means we would have to get up really early because we'd have to wake up before the students wake up and get up ready and going before camp actually starts. Uh, So that morning comes, and I'm extremely tired. I got maybe about four hours of sleep the night before for a number of different reasons, one of which was a student waking me up at 3 a.m. screaming bloody murder. Okay, let me tell you about it. It's 2 a.m., we finally fall asleep, okay, at 2 a.m. 3 a.m. comes around. I'm out of it completely. I'm like deep, deep sleeping. Suddenly, I hear a student yell, Zach, Zach, Zach! I wake up. I have no idea what's going on in the world. I look over, and there's this student who has his hands inside of a box fan while it's on, and he's yelling... It's wet everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, don't let it be blood. Just don't let it be blood. Whatever you do, don't let it be blood. Let me give you some context. Where we were sleeping, where our dorms were, we had no air conditioning. It's hot. So we were sleeping with the windows open and the fans in the windows, trying to get as much air moving through as possible. Well, apparently, during the middle of the night, it started to downpour sideways, through the fan, into the room. Back to the student. He's holding the fan. Fan's still going. Water's coming through the window, through the fan, into his face, everywhere. There's water all over the place. And he yells, there's a river in our room. I said, I know. There goes my phone. My phone's floating down the center of our dorm room. We literally had a flood going in our room, and my phone's gone. So the next morning, I'm really tired. We did not sleep much, and here I am waking up earlier than I even need to be because I wanted to get coffee with this friend of mine. And about two minutes into our coffee, I realized we're not meeting as friends in this moment. We're meeting as student and mentor, just like we used to do back in the day. Because apparently he's got some stuff going on in his life that he needs some advice on and some help on. And so when he saw me, he thought, perfect, I'll ask Zach. He used to help me. And so there I am, half asleep, not even morning coffee going yet. And I'm jumping right back on the clock. I thought I was going to have a moment (laughs) of breathing, and I didn't. But sometimes that's just how it works, you know. And just because he's not my student anymore doesn't mean I don't care about him. I still want to know what's going on in his life, and I'm still there to help him out with stuff. And whenever I talk to to students who I haven't talked to in a while or or former students, there's always one question that I ask them. And the question is, how are you and Jesus doing? How are you and Jesus doing? And even if I don't write out, ask that question, it's the question that's going on in my mind as I'm talking to them. And I'm trying to figure out how are they and Jesus doing? doing? And usually when I ask that question to a student, nine times out of ten, they will launch into this conversation around sin. They'll say, well, Zach, you know, uh, you know those certain sins that I struggle with, and you know, I'm really, I've been trying not to do them, and and, and some days I don't do them, and some days I do, and so some days I'm doing pretty good with Jesus, and some days I feel like I'm not doing pretty good, and it always baffles me, because I'm always sitting there thinking, I did not ask you how you and sin are doing. I asked you how your relationship with Jesus is doing. And those are two separate things. But for some reason, students will always fixate on the sin in their life. And they will beat themselves up over the sin that's in their life. And I think as adults, we do that too. You know, we can sin once, and it derails our entire day. You know, the devil will throw a hundred things at you in one day. Two of them will stick, and it'll wreck your whole day. I think maybe we focus on beating ourselves up over our sins a little too much. i got a fly following me. A little too much, don't we? We tend to beat ourselves up over this couple things that we do wrong in a day instead of celebrating the stuff that we actually get right. And we let the devil win when we continue to beat ourselves up. And this focus on sin and trying not to sin, I mean, we see it in the Bible too. You know, throughout the Bible, if you read through the Bible, you see all these commandments, all these things here don't do this, make sure you avoid doing that, don't get caught up in that. There's a lot of rules in the Bible. Usually we think about the Ten Commandments, right? Those are the ten rules that we tend to think about with the Old Testament. But really, there's hundreds of rules and hundreds of commandments all throughout the Old Testament that people were supposed to follow. And it's all stuff that's about avoiding certain sins or trying your best to be clean is the way they would phrase it because you didn't want to be unclean in the presence of God. And so that was kind of the focus of everything. So in the Scriptures, they were focused on all of these rules. And one day, they were sitting around talking about all of these rules and a group of people were trying to figure out, well, what's the most important thing to focus on? Because it's really, really hard to focus on a couple hundred things, right? So they were trying to figure out, well, what is the like, top few that we're supposed to focus on? Because if we do those right, we'll be good, right? That was their mindset. Like, there's got to be a narrow list and not this list of several hundred things. And one guy got the idea to ask Jesus what he thought about this whole thing. If you were here with us last Sunday at church, then you know that we talked about how Jesus is the authority on all things in life. We talked about how Jesus is God's son. God sent Jesus here, and repeatedly God would say, this is my son, listen to him. God put Jesus in charge of everything. And so this guy thought, I wonder what Jesus would say is the most important thing that we should do. So in the book of Mark, chapter 12, this guy goes up to Jesus. And he says, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus replies, verse 29, The most important is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. When we hear that answer to what is the most important commandment, love God, love others, that answer makes sense to us, right? Because we say that all the time around here. If you've been around here long enough, you know that we say love God, love others all the time. It's like on repeat, which is a good thing. But for them... For some of the people listening to Jesus that day, that was not the answer that they expected. They were focused on all the sins that they were trying to avoid. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't drink, smoke, or chew or go go with girls that do, right? That's the saying from back in the day. That's, That's what their focus was. And they go to Jesus and say, what's the most important? What do I focus on? And instead of saying, yeah, don't do this or don't do that, instead... He says, do this and do that. Did you get the difference? He says, it's not like stuff you're supposed to avoid. He's telling them stuff to focus on instead. Don't don't be so focused on avoiding certain things. Be focused on doing certain things. And if you'll focus on doing these two things, love God, love others, you'll be able to avoid those certain things over there. I think for some of us, we focus too much on the stuff we're trying to avoid and too little on the two things we're supposed to be doing, loving God and loving others. And this is not the first time or the only time in Scripture that Jesus talked about this loving concept. Okay, he said in the book of John that this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He didn't say people will know you're a Christian by the fact that you wear a Christian t-shirt or by the fact that you have a Taylorville Christian sticker on your car or by the fact that you go to church on Sundays. He says that's not how people are going to know you're a Christian. He said people will know that you're with me. People will know that you are a Christian by the love that you have for one another. Which means we're supposed to be willing to help other people and to show our love to other people. And for some of us, we're so focused on avoiding sin that we don't even consider helping other people. Some of us are so focused on not doing certain things that we can't even focus on the two things that we're supposed to be doing, loving God and loving others. If I were to ask you today, hey, how are you and Jesus doing? you would probably think about your sin life, whether or not you've been coming to church lately, whether or not you've read your Bible anytime soon, how often you've prayed lately. And Jesus says, man, I would know that you're with me by the love that you have for other people. He says that that's the identifying mark of a Christian, that Jesus can look at your life and see how well you love other people And he'll know if you're a Christian or not because of it. He says that's supposed to be the focus of our life. And if we're honest, when we see someone in need, someone who needs help with something, a lot of the time we don't do anything about it. If we're just honest about it, right? You hear that somebody's going through a tough time or something bad happens to somebody, and usually our reaction is to say, oh man, I hate that you're going through that. Man, that stinks and then we walk away. Or maybe we say something encouraging to try to build them up, try to help them out, and then we just walk away from them. Or maybe you hear of a family that's going through a tough time, and when you hear about it, your reaction is to go, hey, did you you hear what happened to so-and-so? We just talk about it. Maybe somebody even comes to you and says, hey, I've got this thing going on in my life. This is this bad thing that happened. And our reaction is just to say, well, I'll pray for you. And that's good. But the truth is, half the time we walk away and we forget to ever even go pray for them. We get busy with our own life. We've got other stuff to do. And we don't even think about it. Maybe we pray for him that night. Maybe we think about it once. But if we're honest, we, we kind of just forget about it. We say that we love other people. But then our actions don't match that. And James talked about this in the scriptures too. James talked about how we have to actually put our actions behind our love instead of just saying something to them. They've got the verse for us, they're going to put on the screen. It's from James chapter 2. They should have, but you got it for us? James chapter 2. James says: if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without actually giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? James says if you know of somebody who needs help, who needs something, and you just wish them well, and you don't do anything, what good is that? A lot of the times we just want to say we love people and we don't even back it up with our words. We would say that we love other people, but then we don't actually help them with anything. We don't do anything to change their situation. We don't do anything to help them out. We don't do anything to show our love for them. Can I tell you something? Your words are empty when your feet are not there. Your words are empty when your feet are not there. It's not good enough to just wish somebody well, to hope that it would get better for them. To pray for them one time and then to check out of their life. That's not love. And that's not what we're called to. Jesus says we're supposed to love God and love others. And that requires us to sacrifice our time. That requires us to risk things. It requires us to get involved in someone's life. And so when we know that somebody's hurting, it's not good enough to just say, Hey, I hope things get better for you. We need to stop just talking the talk and we need to start actually walking the walk in their life. We need to stop just saying that we love them and we need to start actually showing people that we love them. When they're going through a hard time, we can't just say we hope things get better. We have to actually do something about it. So that means that maybe, just maybe, it's time for us as the church to shut up and show up. Maybe it's time for us to shut up and to just show up. Maybe it's time to stop just wishing people well. To stop just hoping somebody else will help them so we don't have to. Maybe it's time for us to be a little inconvenienced in our lives when we know someone's hurting and to actually show up in their life and show them that we love them. You know, being a pastor, it's a unique position because you're usually involved in most of people's garbage, the bad stuff in their life. You kind of know the bad stuff that are going on. People kind of come to you when things are not so great. You're usually on the front lines of some not so pleasant things when there's the loss of a loved one, or a divorce, or a diagnosis or depression, or any other problem. You're usually right there. And as a student pastor, I'm involved in all of those situations, but through the eyes of a teenager. Junior high and high school students who are still trying to figure out this thing that we call life. And they're trying to navigate through things that they've never had to navigate through before. And students will come to me all the time, day or night, to tell me about something that's going on in their life. And I always have a choice. I can encourage them. I can wish them well. I can say, man, that stinks. I hate that that happened. And then I can check out and walk away and not do anything about it. Because I've got stuff to do too, and I've got a to-do list, and I've got my own life, and I've got this to do and that to do. I can make a 100 excuses. Or, I can decide to shut up and show up. I can decide that for this student, for this situation, for this thing that's going on, man, I'm going to be right there with you. You've already got God on your side. You've already got parents on your side. You've already got other people. And guess what? Now you've got me on your side. Now I'm going to be in your corner too. I can stay up as late as they want to stay up and talk through everything that they want to talk about and lose all of my sleep over it. And I can sit next to them in the middle of the night and I can put my arm around them and I can sit there and cry with them and I can say, I am with you. And from here on out, you're not alone. From here on out, I'm going to show up in your life. We all have that opportunity. It's not just students who have issues in their life. Us adults have our fair share, too, don't we? We got a lot of depression. We got a lot of anxiety. We got a lot of stress. We got worry. We got financial problems. We got relationship problems. The list goes on and on and on and on. There are people in our world that are hurting and that need our love, not just our kind words, but our actual love, our actions, that support our words. Now, I know you can't do it for everybody. I can't do it for everybody. I can't do it for every student we've got. We've got too many students for that. I can't be that involved in every student's life. That's why we've got awesome adult volunteers who help us out in that. But you can do, for one, what you wish you could do for everybody. You ever hear that saying? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone? Maybe Jesus is asking you to do for one person what you wish you could do for everybody. Who's Jesus calling you to love this week? Who is Jesus calling you to show up in their life? Who's Jesus calling you to do something about what they're going through? It doesn't have to be something huge. I mean, maybe God is calling you to do something huge and to really get involved in someone's life because you know what's going on. If that's you, you know who you are and you know the person that needs you. Maybe this is the push that you need to go do it. But for a lot of us, it might just be smaller things. Maybe you know of a mom who's struggling financially. I mean, do you have a little money to spare and you can just buy her groceries this week? You got 100 bucks. you got 200 bucks that you can spare, and you can buy her groceries for her and her kids this week, and then that's one less thing off her shoulders, one less thing she has to worry about. That's love. Maybe you got a coworker who always eats alone or seems kind of quiet, maybe kind of lonely. Could you hang out with them? Could you go out to lunch with them? Maybe you can't pay for their meal, but you can sit and have lunch together. Maybe that's all they really need is 30 minutes of your time. That's love. Maybe you know someone who recently lost a loved one or maybe they lost their spouse a long time ago, but they're lonely. They live alone. Could you invite them over this week? Could you spend some time with them this week? Can you help show them that, hey man, someone cares and someone loves you? That's love. When Jesus dreamt up this idea of his church, and he sat down and he thought, what do I want the church and Christians to look like? He said that the identifying mark, the number one thing that Christians would have, is love. He said it wouldn't be that people would know they're Christians because of how many times they go to church or how many times they read the Bible or because they avoid these certain sins. He said, man, people will know that they're a member of the church because of their love for other people. He said that when people hear the word Christian, I want them to think the word love. That was Jesus' dream for the church. And the early church was really, really good at that. The early church did a fantastic job of showing love to other people. But over the years, we've lowered the bar. We use the excuse of that word, too busy. And in today's culture, in today's time, when people hear the word Christian, they do not think the word love. Usually when people hear the word Christian, they think a lot of other unpleasant words first. That's the reality that we live in. But just imagine for a moment that our world was different. And imagine that in our world, the word Christian and the word love became associated with each other. Imagine that if people knew that somebody else was a Christian because of the love that they had for other people. Imagine how cool it would be if Christians all over the world And that word Christian became associated with the word love. I know that's not where our world is today. But I believe that it could be in our community. Imagine what it would look like if Taylorville, Illinois, Christian County, the word Christian became associated with the word love. And that people in our community were, became fascinated with how well we loved other people. If they knew for sure, man, those people, that group of people, look at them loving people. They've got to be Christians. I believe that could happen in our community. That people, even though they would be skeptical of what we believe, but they would be so intrigued by how well we love other people. That they would say, man, I want to be a part of that. I don't know about that Jesus thing yet, but I like how that movement of love is taking off. I love how they love people. I love how they help people. I want in on that. I believe that that is possible in our town, in our community, if the group of people who are in this room would simply shut up and show up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son Jesus and for the example of love that he was while he was on this earth. Thank you for the way he treated people, the way he interacted with people, the way he showed us that love is not just words that we use. We don't just encourage people who are in tough times. We still do that, but man, we get behind them. We get involved in their life. We help them out, whether it's something small or something big. And Lord, I ask that you would be with all of us in this room, in this moment, that you would bring to mind a name or the face of a person who we know who's maybe struggling with huge stuff, maybe struggling just with little day-to-day stuff, but that you're calling us to love this week, that you would help us to think about what it is we need to do in order to show love to them like you would. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.